Good afternoon. I hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Kiddushin Daf Ayin Gimel, and we are starting two lines from the bottom, three lines from the bottom, on Ayin Beis and Beis. The Gemara begins with a Machlokes Tanoi. Tanu Rabbonon, Ger Nose Mamzeres. If a person converts to Judaism, the halacha is that they are allowed to marry a Mamzeres. This is Direi Rabbi Yossi. We'll see soon what this Machlokes is about. Rabbi Huda Omer, Ger lo Mamzeres, said no, a man who converts to Judaism is not allowed to marry a Mamzeres. Says the Gemara, uh, continuing this b'risa, Echad Ger, Echad Eved Meshuchrar, Bichalal, if you have a Ger, or if you have an Eved who has been freed, or a Chalal, who is a Kohen that's born to a relationship that should not have been, and therefore he is a Chalal, the child, all of these people are Mutarim Bikohenes. All of them are allowed to marry a woman who is a Kohen. My time with Rabiosi. Why is it that Rabiosi says that a ger is allowed to marry a mamzeres? So says the Gemara, because Chamisha Kahalik Sive, there are five people who are part of what is considered to be a Kahal. The word Kahal is used five times. And uh, let's see how he parses out each of those five. On the top of Ayin Gimel Amaral, the Gemara says, Chad the Kohanim, one group of Kahal is considered a Kohen. Vechad the Levim, Vechad the Israelim, one for each of those groups as well, Levim and Israelim. Vechad the Mishrei Mamzer Bishtuki, one allows a Mamzer to marry a Shtuki. Vechad the Mishrei Shtuki be Israel, and one to um, one is to marry off a, a Shtuki to Israel. So says the Gemara, Kahal Gerim. Lo ikrikal. This is obviously a difficult idea to speak about on, from an emotional front, but it is in fact what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that a ger is not part of kahal. And because the restriction of a mamzer is that they are not allowed to marry into the kahal, therefore a ger is allowed to marry a mamzeris, because a ger is not part of the kahal. And a, and a, mamzer, a mamzeris is only restricted in marrying someone from the kahal. So it says the Gemara... Um, and then Rabbi Yehuda, what would Rabbi Yehuda say in response to that? If in fact it's the case that a that a mamzeris is only restricted from marrying someone who's part of the kahal, and if in fact of the five times that it says kahal, none of them speak about um, a, a ger, good to go. Then we understand why it is that a ger can marry a mamzeris. So why does Rabbi Yehuda in the Brisa argue with Rabbi Yossi? The Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda, he says, Kohanim v'levim mechad kahal nafkit. That Kohanim and Levim, they are going to be uh, all included in one version of kahal and not in any, uh, not in separate ones. And that leaves over one extra word of kahal, which can then be used for gerim. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, a ger is part of kahal. And once he puts uh, a ger back into the kahal, so what do we end up with? We end up with the fact that a mamzeris is not allowed to marry a ger. So that's what he says. And then I say, there's an extra word for Kahal for Gerim. Perhaps maybe Kohanim and, and Levim are really two different uh, Kahals. However, Mamzer Bishtuki, Bishtuki be Israel, Mechad Kahal Nafka. And the, perhaps the last two in the list of five that was listed by Rabbi those two can actually be combined. They are quite similar in, in what they're doing, which is permitting um, 
on the one hand, permitting a mamzer to marry a shtuki, and at the same time, allowing a shtuki to marry a Yisrael. So because those are so similar, perhaps uh, the words kahal, four and five, as they were used, were actually both number four. That still avails the fifth uh, word kahal to include a ger in kahal. And therefore, Rabbi Huda, for a second possible reason, he holds that a ger is not allowed to marry a mamzeres because the ger is in fact part of the kahal. And the continuation of all of these svaras is lo yavo mamzer bikal Hashem mamzer vadaihu de lo yavo ha mamzer safek yavo bikal vadaihu de lo yavo ha bikal safek yavo and we would allow for a person to to marry in if there was an aspect of safek vi'ivayseima here's another rationale as to why it might be according to Rabbi Huda that a ger is not allowed to marry a mamzeres the Gemara says hachanami trei kaleninu. Perhaps maybe even four and five. The one that allows a mamzer to marry a shtuki and the one that allows a shtuki to marry a regular Yisrael. Perhaps those two are also separate. The time the Rabbi Huda is mehacha. And he has an, another marimakom that allows, uh, that allows for, that doesn't allow for a ger to marry a mamzeres. Yeah, that's correct. So what's Rabbi Huda svara? Hakahal chuka achas lachem velager hagar. That's based on the Pasuk, that it speaks over here where the word is kahal and is used in the same Pasuk as ger. So even if you want to tell me that of the five times that it says kahal, none of them refer to ger, but we have an association game. Is that in a Pasuk that speaks about a ger, it also speaks about a kahal. So perhaps that's a good marimakom for Rabbi Yehuda to indicate that a ger is part of the kahal. And that therefore would be that if in fact a ger is part of the kahal, then a ger is lo yisamamzeris, like Rabbi Yehuda states in the Brisa. So to this, the Gemara says with the Rabbi Yossi, okay, Rabbi Yossi, you had very nice marimakomas. You had your five kahals and you you gave out each one to topics that, to categories that didn't include a ger. But over here, Rabbi Yehuda presents a pasuk that shows that even with your five things being allocated elsewhere, that the word kahal is used for other categories and ger is not included. But over here, we see a juxtaposition between a, uh, between a ger and um between kahal. So what would Rabbi Yossi say to this? It's a great Mari Makam that Rabbi Huda presented. The Gemara responds, Chuka achas hifsi <clears throat> The Pasuk reads, Hakel chuka achas lachem vilager hagar. Akahal. So the Gemara says that that first word is broken up and is no longer considered to be juxtaposed to the word ger, and therefore you cannot learn one from the other. So all of this is the first part of that brisa that we saw on the bottom of uh, Ayin Basement Base, that we're not sure exactly whether or not a ger is part of the kahal. If a ger is part of the kahal, then he's not allowed to marry a mamzeris. That's Shitas Rabbi Huda. And if a ger is not part of the kahal, then there's no reason why he can't marry a mamzeris. He'd be allowed to marry a mamzeris. That is the Shita of Rabbi Yossi. And the second part of that brisa, where we had said at the second to last line and the last line of Ayin Basement Base, we had said, Echad ger, uh, we had said that a Kohenes is allowed to marry a Ger. <laughs> He's allowed to marry an Evid who has been Meshukhrar, who's been freed, and, he, and she's allowed to marry a Chalal. In all of those cases, Mutaren Bekohenes. And perhaps, says the Gemara, a third of the way down on Ayn Gimel Amad Aleph, Mesayeya Leila Rav. Perhaps this uh, supports the Shita of Rav. Damrev Yehuda Marav, Lo Husaruk Sheros Lina Selepsulim. Women who are ksheros are allowed to marry people with certain men with certain psulim. So says the Gemara, a little bit of a maisa. Dorash Rabzeir be mechoza, ger mutter be mamzeras. So Rabzeira was in mechoza and he was giving a shir. And what he taught was that a ger is allowed 
to marry a mamzeris. That's shitas rabiosi that we started with today, which means by definition that a ger is not part of the kahal. And the chevra in the base medrash knew what was going on, and all of the gerim were upset. They were upset that they weren't put in the category of kahal. So says the Gemara, Ragmuhu kula kule alma be'esrogaihu. Everybody threw their esrogim at him at uh, at Rebzera. And the reason they did that is because they were insulted. How dare you tell me that I'm not part of the Kahal? I just changed my religion from outside of Klal Yisrael to inside of Klal Yisrael. Now you're telling me I'm not part of the Kahal? On my Rabbah, Rabbah asked seemingly rhetorically, Is there someone who can teach this idea in a place where there are so many gerim? Namely, how can we teach the Halacha if it is in fact like Rabbi Yossi? If it, I'm not saying it's easy, but if in fact it's like Rabiosi that a ger is not together kahal, how do we teach it in a way that's digestible? Of course, it's difficult to teach things that are difficult. So says the Gemara, Darash Rava b'mechoza himself, ger is motor b'kohenes, a ger is allowed to marry a kohenes, true story, as we've already seen, and therefore ta'anuhu b'shiroi, they, every, all the gerim were thrilled with him. Oh, wow, look at this big kula from Rava. And they threw a bunch of silk garments at him and in Simcha and happiness. They took their shawls and they threw them in his direction. And Hadar Darish, and then he added in the second phrase, which was Ger Moter Bemamzeris, that a Ger is also allowed to marry uh, Mamzeris. So he felt that the right way to present this difficult information was to couch it in the positive, to say that a ger is allowed to marry um, a kohenes, which is exciting for a ger because you're part of the people. But at the same time that you're part of the people, we're going to just detract a little bit of that because there really still is a problem of kahal. And you're not allowed to, and you and you are allowed, therefore, uh, to marry a mamzeres. So Amr Lay, when Rava presented this in Mechoza, the people pushed back on him. They said, Avsidita lekamaisa. Your second comment and your first comment don't work. They thought that the psul that makes them not kahal and therefore what allows them to marry a mamzeres ruins them from marrying a kohenes as well. So he says, that's not true. Amar lehu, ditava lehu, avdi lehu. I did something good for you. I've explained the halacha in a way that's super clear. If you want, you're a ger. If you want, you can marry a kohenes. And if you want to marry a mamzeres, you can the world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want within the halachic parameters. But the fact that you're allowed to marry a mamzeres, while it's true that it means you're not part of the kahal, it doesn't mean that you're not a Jew. And it doesn't mean that in a generation, your children won't be fully Jewish. But as you transition in, that first generation of being a care, according to Rabbi Yossi, that person is considered to not be part of the kahal. And the Hilchasa, halfway down, two lines before the wide lines, last line of the wide lines, Ger Mutter Bekohenes, Umutter Bemamzeres. The halacha is like Rava taught in Mechoza, that a ger is allowed to marry a Kohenes, and a ger is allowed to marry a Mamzeres. Mutter Bekohenes, Lo Husiru Ksheros Lehinase Lepsulim. When we say that she's Mutter Bekohenes, that's Lo Husiru Ksheros Lehinase Lepsulim, as we saw already, that women who are Ksheros, they're not warned against marrying people with a psul. And for whatever, uh, to whatever degree a ger has a psul, that uh, psul is not applicable to Jewish women. She's allowed to marry, even as a kohenes, she's allowed to marry a ger. And, and Rava's second nakuda, that a mutter bemamzeres, that the fact that a ger can marry a mamzeres is because of rabiosi, that he holds that a mamzeres uh, can be married by a ger because a ger is not part of the kahal. Says the Gemara, um, a little bit more than halfway down, last uh, the first of the very long lines. The Gemara says, "Eluhein shtuki kol shemakir." 
we had said a number of days ago that a shtuki is where a person knows uh, the father, knows the mother, but not the father. And the mother would be shosek. Oh, is that my Abba? And the mother says, shh, shh, shh. no, you know, we, you don't know who your father is. Because maybe she didn't know who her father, who her husband, who the baby, uh, who the father of the baby was. So the Gemara says, really technically speaking, shtuki kosher. Okay, technically speaking, if you have a woman who conceived in a way that uh, she didn't know who the father was, and therefore the child doesn't know who, who its father is. The halacha is that technically that shtuki is kosher. My time on. Because rov ksher metzla, umiyut psula metzla. Most people are kosher for her, and very few people are actually psulim for her. So, the i'ozla inhu legaba, if he came <laughs> to where she lives, so then, called the parish meruba parish. And then we follow the general rules of rov, and because in general, the, the people who are available to her are, are not psulim, so therefore the child halachically is assumed to be puzzle. And that's uh, where we can apply the principle of kol de parish miruba parish. However, and now we're getting into some of the detailed halachos of ta'aroves. However, things change a little bit. Um, that vi'i azli, uh, oh, my amris, excuse me. What did you want to say? What did you want to suggest? That perhaps dilma azli'i kavua. Maybe you want to say that things are actually not rove and mute. Maybe it's actually 50-50. How can that happen? When do we apply the principle of kol de parish miruba parish, that we basically assume that the man she slept with is from a majority pool and not from a minority pool? That's when the man is not kavua. That's when the man was mobile and came to him. However, if the man lived where he lived and the woman went to the man in a community that was otherwise filled with psulim, then we cannot use the principles of majority there. That's called kavua. And the Gemara continues four lines into the wide lines. So maybe it's not rov and miut. Maybe it's 50-50. So says the Gemara, even if you want to say that, doesn't matter. Because it would still be allowed for a shtuki to marry in. Here we're talking about a mamzer, but a shtuki is even less complex. So kol shikin. And this we see that because there's an, a huge suffix, it's 50 50. Okay, it's not 80 20, but it doesn't matter. 50 50 is still a suffix. So, therefore, a stuki, technically speaking, should be allowed to marry into Klaistra. But we don't allow it. So, why don't we allow it? The Gemara says three fourths of the way down. What's the reason why the Chachamim said that a Shtuki should not be able to marry in to the Jewish people? Because because this guy, let's say his name is Chaim, because Chaim doesn't know who his father is, he also don't know if his father that he also doesn't know if his father had another daughter, and maybe the woman he's marrying is his sister. But because the Yichus is very confusing, or just no knowledge, so therefore he can't marry anyone. If that's if that's true, then Shtuki Shtuki is lo Yisa Shema Yisa Okay, I can understand why you would want to say that this man might have had more than one child, and therefore Chaim, who is a shtuki, cannot marry into uh, a regular tzibur. Right? That I understand. But we do know, and from other Mari Makomas, it's not presented here cleanly, but we do know that a shtuki is allowed to marry a shtukis. So it says the Gemara, Kol ki hani uh, We don't assume that uh, men are going to be involved in Znus in this kind of way, where 
he has a lot of children with a lot of different women and they don't even know who the father is because they've been with a lot of different men. It's just very, we don't assume that level of Znos. So while it's true that we may have some concerns that perhaps this man impregnated this woman and she had Chayim, and then that man settled down and had a family and has a daughter, there we're concerned. But one Shtuki to another Shtuki, that means we need multiple cases of significant Pritzos that we don't assume and therefore a Shtuki is allowed to marry a Shtukis. Says the Gemara, fine. Maybe Maybe the daughter of a Shtukis, he should not marry because perhaps because maybe maybe she's gonna end he'll end up marrying a family member. So says the Gemara, that case is not common, so too our case is not common at all. And this is a, a Kasha on the Gemara. The Gemara is saying that's so uncommon, so is a Shtuki marrying his sister. So why why would you have, that can't be the rabbinic restriction. You're talking about a billion people on earth, 14 million of them are Jewish, 7 million of them are female. The odds of of the person you randomly marrying, if a Shtuki marries a girl in Klaistro, that it's going to be his sister from his father, it's a statistical, it's not happening. So the Gemara therefore pivots and says, you're right, Ella, we just wanted to be very conscientious and cautious with Yuchsen, and therefore we restrict the Shtuki from marrying into Klal Yisrael. Now the Gemara has a very similar conversation with an Asufi, as you may recall. An Asufi doesn't know who either of his parents are. The Gemara says, Asufi kosher, my time on, because Eishes ish tola, my ikah. So it says the Gemara, in regards to Eishesish, had it been that she was actually married, the woman of, who had this child, she would have said that she got pregnant from her husband. So my Micah, what would have been the problem? That would have just been a, a regular case scenario of, of a woman having a baby. So obviously she seems to not have been someone who was ever married. And there's a very small percentage of women who are in the category of Arusa and a very small percentage of people who would have gone out of town and not be able to tend to their baby. And because we're now assuming that she must have been single, this case of an Asufi must be where, they, where she was single. And perhaps they're because of starvation, there's not enough food to go around, so we wouldn't have even, she would have said, I'm giving up this child for adoption, I'm not taking care of it anymore. Maybe at least here there's a 50-50 risk. That because the Pasuk calls them a mamzer proper, mamzer vadai hudelo yavo, a mamzer suffolk yavo, that only if it's a definite mamzer is it, is it going to be the case. And so too over here, because vadai who delo yavo habikal suffik yavo, and therefore by an asufi as well. It's 50-50. So therefore, Mito Raisa, we should assume that an asufi is also allowed to marry into Klaudisram. The Gemara therefore says, four lines from the bottom, Mata Amru Asufi puzzle. Why then does the Torah say <coughs> that uh, the not the Torah, the Torah doesn't have an Isser here? Why do, do the Chachamim say that there's going to be an Isser of uh, of an Asufi marrying into Klaudisram for the same concerns? He was if somebody delivered him and someone's the father, we just don't know who it is. So perhaps maybe he's going to end up marrying his sister. If the Asufi marries into Klaus, there's a statistical chance that he'll marry his sister. Minute. Totally unreasonable statistically, and we'll reject this soon. But the Gemara says that that's possibly the reason why we limit an Asufi from marrying into Klaus. The Gemara then says that if that's true, Asufi. Asufis lo yisa. Maybe an Asufi should not marry an Asufis. Shema yishan achoso. Shema yisa achoso. Bein me'aviv, bein me'imo. Here we have a bigger concern than we do by a shtuki. At least by a shtuki, we knew who the mother was. 
by an Asufi, we don't know the mother or the father. So therefore, perhaps when the, uh, when the Asufi gets married, he's marrying a sister, um, either a sister from the mother's side or from the father's side. So then the Gemara says, Kol hani shadi azli. This is not a very common scenario that uh, multiple children who are completely on their own, who don't know who their parents are, that they'd be siblings. It's not statistically very likely. So says the Gemara, one last question. Perhaps Baza Sufi Lo Yisa, maybe the daughter of an Asufi, he shouldn't marry Shema Yisa Achoso. Another iteration of a similar question. The Gemara says, That case is very uncommon, and therefore that's not the restriction. And as well, Hachanami here to stand by an Asufi. It can't be the, the halachic concerns of marrying a sibling. That can't be. So therefore the Gemara says, Hachanami Lo Shriach, therefore by an Asufi, it's also very unlikely that he's going to be uh, marrying a sibling. And if that's true, we're back to square one, which is why did the Chachamim institute a restriction on the Asufi marrying into Klal Yisrael? The fact that he doesn't know his parents doesn't mean that we are as concerned that he's going to be marrying a sibling of whoever his parents actually were, a child, I should say, of whoever his parents actually were. Ella here too, in regards to an Asufi, really, Maila Asufi Yuchsi. The halacha is that by Shtuki and by Asufi, Mida Oraisa, they are allowed to marry into Klal Yisrael. Because there are less severe cases than mamzer, and if a mamzer is allowed to marry when there's an aspect of suffix, then by a shtuki and an asufi, kol shikain, they're allowed to marry when there's an aspect of suffix. But the Torah allows it, so why did the Chachamim not allow it? So the Gemara says that it's maile asu biyuch. So we wanted to be strict with our yichus. We wanted to make sure that our family trees are super clean, and therefore we don't allow for these marriages. Let's say that a baby who's found without parents, he has a bris. That means that someone took care of him. That, that's not a child whose parents are unknown. The parents know. You don't know who it is. But Chaim was taken care of by one of his parents because he has a bris. Uh, so here the Gemara says that Rashi says they used to wear these contraptions to straighten out their limbs. If you see a baby like that, there we see that he's been taken care of. Shayef Mishra, if he has oil rubbed on him, if there was some type of makeup or, or salve that was put on him, Rami Chumre, other types of things that were put on him, Tali Piska, um, if there was a little piece of paper tied around him, the Tali Kamiya, if he was wearing a Kamiya, all of these cases show care. They show that there's a primary caregiver somewhere, and therefore, Ein Bo Mishum Asufi. Ein Gimelam at base, four lines down, Tali Bedikla, if the baby was hung in some kind of pouch off of a, de- of, off of a Dekel tree, so we have to see if that counts. And the two options are not wonderful. If the baby is hung on a tree in a way where a wild animal can access that baby. So that means that the parents have given up. Therefore, maybe there is no reasonable parent. because Who would actually do that? But if it was placed in a way where an animal could not gain access to the baby, then Zeradata smicha lemata. There's a particular tree that was put near the city, and this tree was known to have shedim. So if a baby was put there, yesh mishuma sufi, that means we're concerned that there we don't know who the parents are. Vim lav, and if the tree was not near the city, then ein mishuma sufi. Bekinishta smichta lemata. If the baby was put in a shul near the city, vishchichi beirabim, and there are people there, so the baby will get noticed. Then ein mishuma sufi. Vim lav, and if that's not the case, yesh mishum asufi. If it was uh, not put into a shoal next to the city or it was put into a shoal where there isn't a lot of people, then we would be concerned about a Sufi. 
If he was put into a particular basket where fruits were kept, that's considered the parents having given up on the baby. Put on the ridge by uh, by a river, because people will see the baby. Uh, if the baby was put in like a melted snow, almost like a ditch of sorts, where there's like an overflow of water, that means we don't trust who the parents are for that child. If a baby's put on the side of the Rishus HaRabim, which is a place which is less dangerous, so less foot traffic, there's an element of care there. Rishus HaRabim proper, where there's a lot of foot traffic and vehicles, a quarter of the way down, a third of the way down on Ein Gimel Amad Beis, Rav says, during years of famine, and we don't know where his comment applies yet, that's what we're going to try and work on now. During years of famine, then we're not concerned about uh, the child being in a Sufi, we assume that there are parents somewhere. Now, what is Rava connecting his line to? Out of context, it makes no sense. So what is it talking about? When do we have this qualification that without famine times, it would be a problem, but with famine times, it isn't a problem. So the Gemara says, by Rishus HaRabim, we said that it's going to be considered, the baby will be considered an Asufi. So maybe you'll say that it's different. So it says the Gemara, just because a family's hungry, that means that the baby is going to be given up and he's going to end up being killed. If you want to say that it's a Tzidei Rishus HaRabim, it can't be Tzidei Rishus HaRabim, because after all, we just learned that Tzidei Rishus HaRabim is Ein Bomishum Asufi. We assume that there is a parent around somewhere. Allah would be the same one way or the other, whether or not there's Shnei Avon. So the Gemara then says, what was Rava's comment talking about where he adds in the qualification of Shnei Avon? Says the Gemara, Rava must have been talking about the following thing. As long as someone is in the Shuk, Imo, if a baby is in a shuk and parents come over to the baby and they say, that's our child, the parents are na'amon. Once he's no longer in the shuk in the more public place, and I love the parents are not trusted. My time, what's the reason why they're not trusted? Because once he was in the shuk for long enough and no one took credit for him, no one took ownership over him. So he is by definition an asufi. Here's where things change. Rava says, if it were to have been a year of famine, even though it were to be the case that he was Nesaf Minashuk, even if he was no longer in the Shuk, there, and that's where Ravchizda, excuse me, that's where uh, Rava was adding in his qualification. It was in the case of Shuk, it wasn't in the case of Rishus Harabin. Two thirds of the way down on Ayn Gimel Amad Beis, the Gemara continues and says as follows There are three people who are trusted off the cuff. Eluhain, Asufe, Chaya, Upoteres, Chavroseha. And Asufi, we know, we just discussed that case, and we said that when the baby's in the shuk, he's, we trust the parents right away. In the case of Chaya, we don't know. In the case of Poteres, Chavroseha, we don't know. So let's go through the cases. The first case of Asufi Hada Amran, we said that if a baby was left in a shuk, and while the baby was in the shuk, parents came over and said, oh my gosh, that's our child, those parents have some degree of Naam on us. What's the case of Chaya? Titania. Chaya, we trust a midwife to say, let's say that a couple has twins. So the first twin, uh, twin boys, let's say that the first twin is going to be a Bechor. So we trust the Chaya to say that. 
But that's only Shelo That's only if she didn't leave where she was. If she walked out of the room, then she no longer has Nehemanus. But if she delivered the baby and she's standing there, she says, this kid is the Bechor. Mark him with a little string on his leg so we know which kid it is. This kid is a Bechor. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, if she's standing in her place, then she's trusted. And if she's not, then she's not trusted. Very subtle distinction because the first uh, that we saw was that if she didn't leave the room. So over here, Rabbi Eliezer is adding things. The Gemara says it's such a subtle distinction. What are you talking about? My uh, What's the difference between the approach of and the approach of says the Gemara Four-fifths of the way down, she turned away and didn't look. Then, According to one, if she turned away and didn't look, then how could she possibly see? According to the other, you have to leave the room. So subtle distinctions in the different approaches. Nevertheless, this is case number two, where we see that a chaya, that a midwife is trusted immediately. Case number three, we know um, in regards to Hilchos Nida, that if a woman um, gets her period, then she becomes a Nida. But what if it were to be the case as follows? Ditznan, this is a mission on Masechas Nida. Shalosh Nashim, Shahayu Yoshnos, Yushenos Bemitachas. There were three women that were sharing the same bed. They all went to sleep. Dam Tachas Achas Mehem. And in the morning, they saw that there was a collection of dam in front of one of the women that would have made a woman tmeim. So the Allah is Kulan Tmeos. All of them are deemed to be tmeim. However, if one of the three women were to then have checked themselves and then she realized that Taka it was her, that it was her dam, she could see that there's a remnant, but also that she's bleeding where the dam continues, whatever the case may be. However, she knew is not for today's Gemara. So the Gemara therefore says, she is Tmea and she exempts her friends. That's the case where Poteraschavrosa, where we trust a woman on the spot to say. She says she's a Nida. No, 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 it was me. So then she's a Nida and her friends are Tahoros. The Gemara says, So when is this true? Only if she checked herself very quickly. Otherwise, it would not be true. Tanu Rabbanan. Um, yeah, let's learn a little bit. Actually, you know what? We're going to stop right here at Tanu Rabbanan. We'll pick up Emir Tashem tomorrow with Daf Ayin Dalid. Wishing you all a beautiful night.